1: So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association, N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
0: Welcome to a Real Man Rid podcast. Chris Liss, your host, with my co-host Dalton Del Don. What's up, Dalton?
1: Not a whole lot. Uh, what about yourself, Liss?
0: Uh, uh, I'm just tired because I... I had a weight loss bet with Trevor Ray, my producer, on the XM show. And Trevor is basically a sack of shit. Like, he's out of shape. He was, like, skinny fat for a while, and then he just became fat, fat. So we had this bet, who could lose more weight? But if you got to 15 pounds, you couldn't lose. So, you know, in four weeks, 15 pounds is kind of a lot. So the idea was, if you crack the 15 threshold, no one has to pay, if you both do. But if you don't, then it's whoever loses more. Okay, so it turned out because he's such a sack. He's also 15 years younger than me. He uh, just played soccer, stopped eating total garbage like he does every day, stopped drinking Mountain Dew like he does every day, and dropped the 15 easy. Like he was, he said he weighed in with jeans and two shirts on and was two pounds under yesterday. So well, I was you like,
1: just took him at his word.
0: What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's really okay. no way to prove it because. What are you going to do? Like,
1: oh, because you're – yeah, I guess. Yeah, right, right, right. He's You're nowhere near him. Gotcha.
0: Right. You know, whatever. There's just so many ways to cheat. He's not going to cheat. He's, he, as much of a sack as he is, as much of a worthless sack as he is, just like yourself, he's not a dishonest person. So I, I trust him. So he made it easily, and I was like three and a half pounds over as of, you know, two days ago, four, and a half, four pounds over, you know, depending on the time of day. And I basically just played paddle tennis two sets, sweating like crazy. Didn't eat dinner, just drank a uh, three-quarter quart of raw milk, full fat. That was my dinner. And then I hadn't eaten until you know, two, and I had a small lunch. And then the next day, I didn't eat anything, did my show in the morning, went to Heather's dad's beach club, played paddle tennis two sets, Heather destroyed me, and then swam in the ocean with Sasha, came back home at like four, pounded a quart of raw milk. I just I, The only reason I picked that is because it's the only thing that, uh, not only because the story of how you had to, Shit in that uh, rest stop in Arizona. It gives me, it's, it's a good association with that. Uh-huh. But also because it's like super nutritious. And that's all I had it for. I didn't eat anything all night last night. Woke up this morning, 6 a.m., because I thought, you know, if I have to like sweat it out, I have to. I wasn't going to lose. But I was 101.8. I needed to get to 182. Sorry, 181.8. <laughs> 101 would be a real problem. Yeah. Uh, 181.8. I needed to get to 182. Beat it by 0.2. And then I uh, went off to an early morning breakfast by myself.
1: Nice. It's, it's uh, as I told you earlier, that I'm surprised that, that Trevor needed to lose weight because uh, last I saw him, he's a small guy. I know he's, uh, I guess it was 18 months ago, though. So he's. Uh, he must have let himself go.
0: He let himself go. He got domesticated. He's like living, like he and his, uh, I think it's his girlfriend still, bought a house together. You know, he's got a girlfriend sitting there on the sofa all day playing DFS Right. You know, who knows what he's doing? Probably hitting the bong, drinking a few brews. You know, what do people do?
1: Yeah, I hear you. It's funny you guys had to do that because I'm actually personally uh, too skinny right now and I, I, I legitimately need to gain weight and I'm, I'm working on that. But uh, I, I applaud that. That's a lot of weight in, in such a short, short span weeks. for a non fighter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Four weeks, 15 pounds. It's not like I was obese. It was just, you know, I had it to lose. I'm happy I lost it. It was probably only like 11, 12 real pounds. You know, the last three are just like dehydration and shit, starvation and dehydration. Right.
1: Yeah, I'm curious how quickly that uh, some of it comes back.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I already put on like three already just by eating, you know.
1: Right, just by eating. Yeah, yeah.
0: and not like, you know, and, and hydrating. It, that's, that sort of dominated my last week. You know, I didn't take it seriously for like the first week and a half. I was like, I'll oh, just like not eat as many carbs. But then I, at a certain point I was like, dude i'm gonna have to exercise to get here i'm not gonna be able to do this just through like so i had to start running i fucking hate running and la is so miserable my neighborhood it's like so hot and like it's not hot compared to other places in the u.s but it's like fucking hot and nondescript and concrete it's depressing as shit
1: yeah you're talking to someone let me check the weather right now where i am how how hot does it get there has it been i mean it
0: it can get in the 90s but it you know it can get to 100 even but actually it's been kind of mild i mean Probably like 85 most of most of the days I was running 90.
1: Uh, it's not so bad. It's going to be 97 today here, but it's been like 105 here frequently. So yeah, yeah. really hot where I live. But anyway, it's you know, a, little a little little hell
0: on earth, obviously. But everyone, yeah, we can't compare it to someone like you. But I, I'm saying like, you know, I,
1: I hate running too. It's, it's, it's. Yeah, I don't like it, and it's tough on your joints if you're running on concrete.
0: Yeah, my joints are all right, but like breathing in that LA soot and smog from the cars while you're running like my lungs it's just not a good place for me to be working out and just like pushing yourself to do like three miles in that hell it's just brutal it's just a true misery to not lose this bet basically
1: it's also an unsatisfying ending with a with a tie yeah but i mean i'm happy you guys got healthier and all that yeah but no he's i would prefer a winner
0: yeah but he's such an idiot he's like he's like already pounded three mountain Dews today man and doing it's like dude (laughs) He's an idiot because he didn't win any money. If you do this and you don't make some effort to maintain it, it's total suffering for no reason.
1: Yeah, that's pretty funny. I like that he's not only doing it but bragging about it to you. That's that's the best part.
0: Yeah, no, he's truly he's truly an idiot. He's he he's he's a total coward, but he definitely has the real man. He's got the aspect of the real man, encouraging senseless. Risk of catastrophic loss. He certainly has like the senseless, like he's senselessly just putting all that weight back on after all the all the work he did.
1: Yeah, you got to respect him for that.
0: Oh, I do respect it.
1: All right, well, you got anything else? Do you, I mean, do you want me to? <laughs> no, that's
0: it. That's the whole You're... podcast. No, I just about I my weight that. loss. I just meant it's you were last week for it's, talking it's weight about weight loss football. Podcast.
1: So, uh, I, I mean, I can go over some 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 questions I have for you. It, it, bef- I, I I didn't mean it in the podcast, obviously. I missed that's all I got yet. on that topic. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. So, do you want to talk football or something else?
0: Yeah. No, we'll talk some football. I just tell you something funny that. Uh, okay. I've gotten some trolls right recently. Not a lot, but a few, because I've been going on these tangents during the show. The weight loss bet. I've been talking about credit cards and how it's such a scam and how all this shit. And a lot of guys are like, "Oh yeah, I really need to learn about like password protection and or or credit card companies." Like, please stick to fantasy football. And I was trying to say, like, you you watched Karate Kid, the original?
1: Man, it's been a long time. I gotta be honest, I might as well not have, because it was I was so young, I don't yeah. even remember it.
0: Yeah, I forgot how young you are. Well, anyway, in the Karate Kid, Daniel gets his ass kicked by these like bully karate dojo guys. Goes to Mr. Miyagi, this old supposedly Asian man. I don't think the actor was. I um, know who
1: Mr. Miyagi is, I right. think.
0: So he goes to Mr. Miyagi and he wants to learn how to do karate. Oh, you know how he does it? Because They're bullying him, and Mr. Miyagi comes to the rescue and, like, kicks all their asses. So he's like, oh, shit, this guy knows what he's doing. So he goes to him to, like, he's like, I want you to teach me to do karate. And so he says, okay, fine. And then he just has him wax his cars. So he's like, wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax
1: off, yes. I do know that as well. So
0: he he does, and that's not code for anything. So he does the motion, the specific motion of waxing on with one hand and waxing on with the other hand. And he... He just, like, works all day and night, and he does the painting the house, which is a different motion. And he's getting annoyed, and he says to Mr. Miyagi, why are you making me do th- You know, I want to learn karate. And then Mr. Miyagi, like, throws a punch at him, and he goes, wax on, wax off, you know. And that motion is exactly the motion you need to block the punch. Right? I got to tell you, this
1: analogy I think you're leading to is amazing. Continue.
0: Okay. So what I was trying to say is, wax on, wax off, motherfuckers. I'm telling you how to win a fantasy football. You just don't know it. Just fucking keep waxing the goddamn car. Like you think that you want to hear which guy's going to break out, which guy's the sleeper. But the reality is I'm just trying to fucking tell you how to fucking get the credit card miles out of FanDuel and then write it off on your taxes if you have my job or whatever thing. It's all the same fucking thing. Everything is about the specific thing you're talking about, but it's also about everything else if you're you're really talking about it, if you're really focusing on it in detail and as accurate as your observations could possibly be. So, so you,
1: you can apply your life lessons to fantasy football. Absolutely.
0: You're, you're trying to make, learn how to think. Think for yourself. Consider things. Doubt things. Question everything. That's the whole point. Question everything. You just use your credit card. You just go to your bank. There's a whole fucking thing. Wax on, wax off. Don't fucking troll me with your stupid ass fucking how, how your football shit. I'm how telling you how respond? to do football. Don't you understand?
1: How do they respond to this? Brilliant. Uh, one, of the,
0: one of the dudes uh, tweeted back, and I, th- I think he thought it was funny. So I, I think I got through. All
1: right. That, that is pretty great. Um, yeah. I, I actually am speechless. That's just a, a terrific analogy, and I, I can't argue. Your, your life lessons are apl- applicable throughout um, everything. I mean, yeah. It's yeah. certainly fantasy.
0: Sweep the leg, you know? I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, Joe Torre... You know, there's like one of these uh, Twitter things, like the worst sports moment of your life, and
1: it was yeah, fucking. I, saw, I actually saw you respond to that.
0: Fucking Kurt Schilling, dealing against the Yankees in the ALCS, and fucking Joe Torre, the biggest coward on the planet, won't bunt. I mean, how could you not bunt against? You know, at least call his bluff that the sock, the bloody sock, was fake, or maybe it's not fake and he really can't feel the position. Or right. he Either outcome
1: hit, either is uh, beneficial, really.
0: Right. Or he hurts himself fielding the position. And so he's got to come out of the game. I and mean, he came sweep out the and actually said, The karate he actually, kid has a lot of lessons. He actually came
1: out afterward and like said that was just like against uh, basically uh, whatever, baseball unwritten rules, right?
0: I don't know if he actually said that. I, I've always just assumed that he was so attached to his bullshit reputation yeah, that he wasn't okay. man enough. Yeah. To fucking yeah. lay down the bunt. He didn't want to be seen as exploding the injury. I, I don't know that for a fact, but how could you not bunt? He was dealing. You guys couldn't get a hit. Jeter was up. Jeter was a great bunter, and they're, and they're having him swing away.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Uh, absolutely. That's. I mean, I'm not a Tory guy. I I feel like he was so overrated. And he, yeah, in his current job, he's not doing great either. But yeah, I, yeah. I totally I hear you.
0: Yeah, in my, he was a pussy in my opinion. He just he basically just, you know, he wrote that book where he threw a rod right under the bus and kissed. Oh, the that was ass. awful.
1: Yes, that was you know just that's ridic- just
0: like if you, if you look Jeter. Look, I love Jeter. I'm a Yankee fan, but Jeter is kind of like Michael Jordan because he was such a success on the field and, and in a lot of big moments. People overrated his personality massively. Like Jordan had no personality, none, zero. But it was like I want to be like Mike. Like Michael Jordan is so cool. He's 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 dull as dishwater. He's totally dull. Have you ever seen Michael Jordan say anything interesting?
1: I was going to say though, what do you think behind uh, behind the cameras? Though I I bet you he was pretty. I mean, you know, the legendary competitiveness and stuff. I bet he was kind of
0: psychotic, no doubt. But has he ever said anything like Charles Barkley says? No, he was he
1: was always he never was said one thing controversial because he never said anything of substance. And I I mean he was my favorite athlete growing up, by the way. But I mean that was because you were told to think that. I was in the sweet zone. Yeah. I mean, my age, I mean, I, yeah.
0: Um, but yes, I hear you and
1: G- but Jeter either, right?
0: Right. And Jeter ever said anything during or after his career of note, he said nothing. Charles Barkley said stuff all the time. There's many interesting athletes. People say things that are interesting or provocative.
1: You know but- what else helped uh, Jeter's career is, uh, he, well, it kind of became obvious later in, in the stages, but he had this reputation as a great defensive player when in reality he was the worst defensive shortstop in baseball. Right. He was, because he made the the big plays and the big moments and UZR and all this advanced stuff and grass didn't exist until, you know, at the very end of his career.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's be real about Cheater. He was a great player. He's certainly a Hall of Famer. He was basically an average fielder for a while and then that declined and he refused to move to third base. He should have been a team guy and said, I'll move to third, let A-Rod play short. He didn't do that. A-Rod played third instead, even though he was the bigger superstar. And then A-Rod, who was like the worst PR person for himself, got shit on. And then Tori throws him under the bus. But the reality is Jeter, Jordan, those guys are boring as hell. There's nothing interesting that they ever say. A-Rod, have you ever seen him on the MLB Network, what a good analyst he is? He's
1: really good. It's it's shocking how good he is. Do you I mean, yes. know like how
0: much smarter and more articulate he is than Jeter? Oh, for sure. So it's just, you know, it just interesting to me that... It just shows what a coward Tory is, just throwing a out of the bus. Was, I, will, was, I, will,
1: I will defend Jeter in one thing. If that gift basket story is true, I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty remarkable.
0: What was that again? I forgot about it. He's, he
1: he sent, uh, sent gift baskets to his uh, afterward, to uh, his uh, you know, conquests.
0: He, he sent them gift baskets like fancy ones?
1: Yeah, out to his uh, lady friends afterward.
0: <laughs> yeah, you think a real man does that? A real man doesn't do that. Real man yeah, it's kind of funny. gift yeah, basket when
1: funny. he's yeah, finished.
0: Real man, a real man, a a real man
1: uh, does nothing insane. No, real man
0: expects a gift basket coming his way.
1: Yeah, the door is on your left is was, okay. Right, no, fine. real
0: man expects a gift basket because uh-huh. real man endeavors to do a good job. <laughs> real man endeavors to do a good job and expects a gift basket. You don't give a gift basket. It's not a prostitute. It was consensual, <laughs> presumably I mean, not. You, yeah. you have to give something. You don't you don't tip somebody. It's not a service. They aren't in the service industry. I mean seriously, yeah. that's weird.
1: It's a little, it is a little yeah, odd. i would take
0: but, uh, a gift basket. You know, if I did it, except you know, maybe I didn't do a good job. All right, I'm not going to get a basket this. There's no way I don't deserve a basket this time.
1: All right, so Tori, back to Tori real quick. Uh, but him, you know, behaving this way probably got him his job now. Whatever the label is, you know, that's uh, I bet. What do you What do you think of that?
0: Oh, his new job? Yeah, you know, yeah, maybe that's Of, course. That of course. Him, right?
1: Okay, I mean, okay. Being the yes man, a real man sack of shit. A
0: that's exactly how you get promoted in in a lot of these industries.
1: All right. No. Anyway, I, I, you, what was your response on that? I think I saw someone giving you a hard time.
0: About the, sh- the shilling thing? Yeah. I don't think so.
1: All right. We said before we started that we're going to make this a short 20 minute pod, yeah. and we're about 20 minutes in, and we haven't said anything about football. So I'm going to just run a couple topics by you, okay? Wax
0: on, wax off. Don't fucking. It doesn't make any difference what we talk about.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you make of the Seattle running back situation uh, with Rawls versus Lacey? Pro size. Pro, Prosize is your guy. Okay, so in, he's regardless, not my guy. regardless of ADP.
0: He's not my guy. I guess regardless of ADP, i probably still take Lacey. But, you know, where the ADP is, I'd probably take because in a PPR because you know you're getting something out of him. And he's 6'1", 220. There's no reason he can't just be the guy. It's just that there's these two other guys there who have been hurt and have had some success. I don't know. That, that's the yeah. guy I've found in a league or two. I, I haven't really been on Rawls. In these PPR leagues, a guy that just doesn't contribute to the receiving game, I have a hard time. Yeah. It, it, you know, I, I would take, like obviously, I, mean, I don't even like Gillisley that much, but like, I would take a stud early down back, like Jay Ajayi, say. because we know he's got the entire role to himself. But you start getting a guy who's competing for work, and even if he wins, he doesn't get PPR, it's not enough.
1: Yeah, when he was starting last year, I was very, very brief, but one game, uh, ProSize got 24 touches, and he, he broke off that long, was it a catch or a run? I think it was a, a catch, but he... Uh, no, I had a 72-yard TD run right after that. Uh, yeah, he he's definitely explosive, and uh, so I, I, I can see ProSize. I'm definitely against Lacey. That he, he might be my third choice, even regardless. Straight up? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. He's He just looks so slow and sluggish and still worrying about getting to 250, Rawls has his entry concerns, but, and he burned me last year, but he had such a good rookie season. I just can't get that out of my mind, but it might just turn into a total committee, and that would be unfortunate, but that, that's a fair one. I, I, ProSize is a guy that could be like the upside of the top 10 fantasy back, right. and he's going so like, late. So. Let's say
0: Rawls gets banged up, and Lacey kind of sucks. Yeah, So like especially gonna... in
1: PPR. I mean, Especially.
0: Right, and Lacy's the early-down guy for a bit, and ProSize is getting third down, but then ProSize starts creeping into the other ones. So I just, I, I feel like there's the PPR-only guys like Charles Sims and Woodhead and Theo Riddick. They just can't be that star. And then there's the early-down-only guys like Gillis and Rawls. But you get a guy who's a PPR guy like ProSize, but he's six one two twenty, that could be a three-down guy. And there's not that many players that can get into that role
1: yes not only did he catch 17 of, of 19 targets but he got 12.2 yards per reception which is pretty really good for yeah. a running I mean uh,
0: that's the guy I would take out of those three
1: okay uh what are you making with the uh Joe Mixon situation I mean is this just veteran coach speak right now the the rookie you know just automatically third in the depth chart but Jeremy Hill I mean beat writers are saying he might start all year does it matter if he's starting I know he's been bad uh, Bernard coming off the knee surgery so I, I don't know what to do with Mixon now i kind of aggressively rated him cranked him and had lowered him since just based off these you know recent comments
0: yeah beat writers are some of the sometimes some of the dumbest people and you should never listen to their conclusions listen to any quotes they get from the coaches and listen to observations like so and so he's running really well in practice or something that was injured but never pay attention to their conclusions they are not as good at fantasy football as you are the, the fact that we substitute the expertise that they have about certain aspects of the team that aren't relevant to fantasy, and we start to substitute their judgment for ours is crazy. I remember I used to cover the Cubs really closely for RotoWire. I covered you know, them for like 10 years, mm-hmm. and I was always calling the right closer. I was always like, it's going to be Kerry Wood, not Marmol. And the next year, I'm, it's going to be Kevin Gregg, not Marmol. I, I, everybody was like bidding on Marmol much higher than those guys, and I always knew who it was going to be. And and they were bidding on it because the Chicago because. T- Sun Times guy right. was fucking saying it was going to be Marvel, but I could just tell by the facts that that was not likely, or it was at least fifty fifty, and the price was not fifty fifty. The the conclusions that these guys draw are just they're uninformed about how to handicap risk, how to price these things. They you know they know about the team, but the team knowing about the team is not an important thing for fantasy. You just need to know the what's what's going to happen, not oh well I know what number each player wears, or I know how these guys get along personally, or I know how the practice went today. None of that shit matters.
1: So you're not adjusting Mixon's rank. Is that what you're saying?
0: Uh, I was just never that high in the first place. Like I thought that there was always a possibility that Hill and Bernard especially would cut in, especially when Bernard was healthy. Bernard's actually really good when he's healthy. So I didn't have to adjust because I didn't, I never had Mixon in like the third round. Okay.
1: Do you you know uh, in what area you do have him?
0: Um, you can look at my running back list. It's probably like 5th roundish. Okay. All right. Where, where do you have him? What number do you have him? Well,
1: so I'll tell you. I moved him from, I think, uh, 15th to 23rd on, after thinking about it more. Okay. So in
0: standard, non-PPR. So I've, I, you know, I don't do the half. I guess I do have, oh, I do, have, you're doing half. I'll do half because I do. Yeah, have that's, that's
1: how I, that's how I kind of grade. Okay. Me, so
0: we, we, I can do it by half. Okay. So in half PPR, Joe Mixon's 22 on my list.
1: Oh, there you go. I'm going to move him up over Ingram right now anyway. So, yeah, 22, exactly the same. All right, okay. Uh, another tough guy to rank now, and I know we, we, we talked about it a little on XM. Just Andrew Luck, if you had to, to draft right now, I'm going to throw names at you, and you, you tell me which one, okay? you got to give me, or, for, give me a format, Cousins. though. Luck or Cousins. Oh, well, what do you mean? What's a, what format? What do you mean?
0: 12-team, one quarterback? Flex? Yes,
1: that. That. 12-team,
0: okay, 12 12. one quarterback. Okay, then go ahead.
1: Luck or Cousins?
0: I have Cousins at six, Luck at seven.
1: Oh, okay. okay. All right. Um, so the rest are going to be kind of obvious after you said that. Uh, so Russell Wilson?
0: Um, I have Russell Wilson at five.
1: Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, Matt Ryan?
0: I have him at nine, so I go Luck. Uh,
1: Mariota and Winston?
0: I have Mariota at eight, so I'm going Luck, and Winston at ten, so I'm going Luck.
1: Okay, so you're not dinging Luck
0: too much. I mean,
1: well, I I, I did,
0: because I, I had him third before. And the thing is, in a 12-team, one QB league, right, all you got to do is pick up Andy Dalton for free or Rivers or you know, even if you had to, like Carson Wentz or Eli or whatever, and start him for two weeks if luck is himself. You don't care that he's missing a few games. It's not a big deal. It's just if he's compromised when he comes back or out for a long time. But, I don't know, Stefania Bell, not that she's got a crystal ball, she seemed to think that whether or not he plays week one, he's going to be himself when he comes back, and it won't be that long.
1: Okay. That, that, that sounds about right. I actually won't.
0: Where do you have him? Uh, I
1: I have him seventh right now.
0: Seven? That's where I have him, I said. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: Stop i Stop talking I think I, my
0: shit. Stop going to Rotoir. My difference is
1: we flipped Cousins and and Russell Wilson. Is I have Cousins one spot higher, but, um, I,
0: I mean, I, Russell Wilson, I think could be a monster. Like he was hurt last year. He's such a good quarterback. Oh, he's really Jimmy good. Graham is going to be a monster. I'm really high on Jimmy Graham.
1: Have you seen the reports after, uh, admittedly, uh, I'll give you credit. You were really high on Jimmy Graham. You said, he's my number two, uh, tight end and report since then is a dude's lost 20 pounds. And he's like, I've never felt so good since suffering that injury. It's night and day since last year. And he was pretty good last year. So yeah, take of that great. what you will.
0: And they're talking about using him in the red zone.
1: Right. Yeah. They don't
0: have another red zone target.
1: Imagine that. Yeah. Why would you? <laughs> it's, it's crazy how they didn't do it more previously. Speaking of uh, beat writer speak or uh, coach speak, I'm not sure where, which one this came from, but what are you doing with Leonard Fournette when they're saying that Chris Ivory might be the short yardage back, uh, presumably meaning the goal linebacker? That's
0: some bullshit. I, I mean, I don't have any Leonard Fournette because I just haven't mm-hmm. really, I always end up taking a receiver there like Amari Cooper or Brandon Cooks or whoever. I never take Fournette there and he's never there when I'm drafting again in round three. But, I mean, they drafted this dude, like, what, fourth overall or something crazy like that? He's their guy. If he's good, you know, you want to reward your back with a TD, right? Like, subbing a guy out of the goal line is kind of a, a slap in the face. So I'm not – it's possible they do something stupid like that, but I'd, I'd be surprised. Okay. I mean, he uh, you... shouldn't even be on the team. I mean, they should just cut him.
1: Yeah, they gave him a lot of money, actually. But yeah, Fournette's even bigger than him. What is your uh, take on this? Is actually a, a hot button guy, uh, Amir Abdullah.
0: Sucks. No interest. Zero. Cross him off the list. Okay.
1: <laughs> Shouldn't get goal line carries nor nor the. Yeah, casting. you're
0: not, you're locked out of third down because you got an elite receiver in Riddick, and you're not getting goal line carries, and you're on the fucking Lions. Like what what possible rationale? These people are getting Abdullah in like the fifth or sixth, and I'm like. I'm so happy to see that. I'm like, I would not have even considered him maybe in like the 10th. And he's never
1: even like done anything and he's coming off a major injury. So to me, it's
0: like, you know, Abdullah or Terrence West is like a tough call. (laughs)
1: Uh, I don't know if I have him that low, but I, I I actually don't think I'll end up with him in any, any, I wouldn't know Abdullah, I'm going to, you're talking me into lowering him. I have him 26, 32, 32. All right. Yeah. Actually, I have Terrence uh, I West
0: much higher than him.
1: Do you, you have Terrence West ahead of Woodhead
0: in half PPR, I do. I'm sure full PPR Woodhead probably creeps up over him. Okay.
1: A uh, couple more guys. Uh, it up, though,
0: but whatever. I think. I mean, he's, right now I have Terrence West a little bit probably too high in half PPR.
1: Yeah, you love Terrence West.
0: No, I don't.
1: A uh, couple more guys. Uh, Lagarette Blunt.
0: Uh, I'm out. I'm blind. I have him in 36th in non-PPR. I mean, in half PPR. Yeah,
1: I have him 30. I can't figure him out because he led the NFL in rushing touchdowns last year, but obviously his environment was as good as it gets. Dude, he's he's a journeyman.
0: He's he a journeyman. There. He had one good year in New England. I mean, it's just ridiculous. There's just who, no who way else? that's going to replicate in Philly.
1: I know. Well, he, if, he was,
0: if he were in New England, where would you have him ranked? If he were in New England, I probably in, – in, Half PPR, yeah. Well, I got Gillisley at thirty. Um, I probably have him around thirty. Oh
1: man, coming off leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns. All right, okay. Well, I mean, look who
0: they brought in. I mean, if they brought in, if he was, if it were last year's roster, if they yes, brought in, no Gillisley. Yeah, well, I mean, they brought in Burkhead. I, I just hall, think like everybody could draft Gillisley in like the fifth round or wherever they're drafting him, and get all excited for a blunt season from last year. And literally week one, you could see Burkhead get a short touchdown and be like, "What the fuck was I thinking?"
1: Yeah, well, you're talking to someone who's ranked Gillislee too high uh, or very high, and now he's missing time with a hamstring injury, and Belichick doesn't like that, and he's trying to learn a new. Who
0: system. is Gillislee? Oh. He's a guy who's like a successful backup in Buffalo.
1: He's like four years younger and overtaking a big back role in New England, and he's good. Have you seen his yards per carry and, and all the under-the-hood stuff? I mean, he, he's impressive. He's yeah, in his in prime. Back, he's
0: in a backup role. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just think, like, they could be dispensed with him and nobody ever – remember Rawls last year? I was like, oh, look at Rawls' per carry numbers. He was a starter at least.
1: No, I get I get it. Smaller sample, you, you can get a uh, He doesn't catch passes.
0: Last year – He had great numbers, five point seven yards per carry. But remember, McCoy had five point four, so it wasn't like you know they were both just crushing it. The Bills' offensive line did a really good job, and having Tyrod Taylor there was big. I don't know. I guess in two thousand fifteen, he did it too on a very small sample.
1: I think they grade him as a poor blocker as well, so uh, I'm gonna have to lower him. Yeah,
0: and I think and Brady's you know Brady may throw on first and second down a lot, so if his blocking isn't up to snuff, you can't telegraph, right? One thing Belichick said there he was interviewed. And he said, one thing I like is that we have more versatility this year and that guys like James White may run on earlier downs so that it's not like, oh, James White's in the game, it's definitely a passing play. Or Gillislee's in the game, it's definitely a running play. They can't do that. Like, it's, it's obviously better to have the defense not know. And if that's what he wants to do and Brady's got all these weapons, man, Gillislee to me should be like a 10th-round pick. You know, I, There's obviously a huge ceiling, but I think the floor is just irrelevant. He could be totally irrelevant.
1: Yeah, no, the his floor is very very low, but I, I do think his upside is that of a, you know, again, leading the league in touchdowns. Do you have a preference between James White and Deion Lewis?
0: Uh, probably White problem, just because Lewis has been hurt so much and White yeah. was like borderline Super Bowl MVP.
1: Very much borderline Super Bowl MVP. I had a big bet on Brady winning MVP and I was just talking to someone last night. I was like it's funny. We were, I was going crazy at the time, you know, 20 down 28 to 3 late third quarter. And I'm like, I very easily, I didn't realize the numbers uh, White's putting up. It was yeah. like at a bar and a lot of commotion. And it would have been funny that I, you know, thought this was the greatest thing because I made this big bet on Brady. And I said, why, why are they handing the trophy to this guy? But of course, that's part of the reason I bet on him is just because everyone was going to vote Brady. But yeah, he had 13 catches in that game.
0: Yeah, and I mean, talk about earning trust. It was a Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. you know, you can be trusted. He can obviously be trusted.
1: Yeah. Okay, uh, what are your thoughts on how high are you taking Michael Thomas? Like, obviously, the situation is great. that They say you know, Breeze typically throws it, uh, spreads it around, but Kobe Fleener isn't any good. Who knows about Willie Sneed? Thomas could just be a monster, really.
0: So I had Thomas on my list of players I probably wouldn't draft because the most targets uh, a New Orleans pass catcher has ever gotten in Drew Breeze's tenure, we're talking about the most prolific Passing tenure for any quarterback in NFL history. Nobody's had a ten-year span of that many attempts and yards. Nobody's even close. So his most targeted receiver in that span was Jimmy Graham in 2011, had 149 targets. His second most was Marcus Colston in 2007 with 146 targets. Nine receivers last year had more than 150 targets. Okay. So the most a Saint under Drew Brees has ever been targeted is less would would have been tenth last year in targets. You're paying like receiver six prices or receiver seven prices for a guy who has to, to to earn the opportunity, has to have as many targets, more targets than anybody's ever had. But I was in this uh, B Chris list draft and I was picking 11th and I went back on my vow and I actually took Thomas with the 11th pick and Jordy Nelson in the second, who was also on my do not draft list. And it's more just like I, I don't think Michael Thomas has that much upside. He only had one catch of 40-plus. He's not a big play guy. He's, he's sort of an intermediate. You know, they have their short catch guy, which is Snead. They have their deep guy, which is Ginn. And Michael Thomas is their sort of number one intermediate receiver. And that's a great role, but it's not that great a role in the Saints' offense. Now, maybe he catches 14 touchdowns, but, you know, the Saints also don't have a lot of high touchdown scores besides Graham, who is six. So... You know, if you give him, like, 10 touchdowns and 1,200 yards, like, that's fine. But I just think his ceiling is kind of is kind of low. But I did draft him, went back on my word, just because I think his floor is very high. So high floor, low ceiling is what I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, the argument would be that he's just flat out a lot better than Marcus Colston was. I mean, he could be a true star in that system. Maybe well, why the why is best. he better?
0: Why is he better than Colston? He's not fast. He's about the same size. Well,
1: we'll see. He's entering his prime, and he certainly showed flashes his pedigree's much higher right um, interesting that you have him ahead of jordy nelson and you think you're down on him because that's
0: that's well uh, no i mean i just took him ahead of jordy nelson i think on my cheat sheet jordy's once a couple spots ahead of him actually i have him number nine behind ty hilton i might need to downgrade hilton for the injury whisket
1: for yeah time. i have nelson six thomas seven hilton eight
0: yeah i i, I may move thomas up a couple but Again, like, Thomas, the reason he had good yards for target last year was because he just caught such a high percentage of his targets. He wasn't actually doing a lot per catch. He's just not that fast. He's not a big play guy. You know, I guess, like, his, I think his, like, total ceiling would be Anquan Bolden type, peak Anquan Bolden. Maybe Larry Fitzgerald at his peak, which would be pretty big. But Breeze doesn't funnel 160 targets or 170 targets the way Fitzgerald used to get. If he gets those Fitzgerald targets, I guess... His ceiling of ceilings is peak Fitzgerald, and that's pretty good.
1: I like especially asking you about receiver uh, rankings because you still write those for the magazine, right? Yeah,
0: I still actually do all the research on these guys.
1: Yeah, you, do, you go crazy. So here's the last guy I'll ask, um, and then a couple nonsense things. Uh, very tough person for me to rank, uh, I assume for everyone. Tyreek Hill.
0: Hate him. I have him in half PPR. I got Hill at 26.
1: Yeah, I have him at 19. But I could see I should probably move guys like John Brown over him. Mark Mark Davis Bryant you have over him, I assume?
0: uh, In half PPR, yeah, Bryant goes up to 23.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's just interesting because obviously he's so explosive, and now they had a whole offseason of integrating him. I mean, no Macklin. He's going to be the number one wide receiver. But so many of his plays just seem so unsustainable and rushes and special teams. So obviously Alex Smith and that whole offense is so conservative. So, yeah, so you hate him.
0: I mean I just I just think that there's upside I mean you could see it I mean he could be Antonio Brown he's got the he's faster than Antonio Brown he's got the same size about 5'10 185 so he's not so small he's not one of those JJ Nelson types that has no upside but if you look at how he was used last year in his stats it was like he he was like Tavon Austin Devin Hester Dante Hall like these elite returners who they're not professional wide receivers you know they're just super fast and quick but they're not running the whole route tree they're not running intermediate deep routes and then you got as you said alex smith is part of the problem also but i just don't know that he's a pro receiver like macklin and just because macklin's gone maybe they felt that he was too expensive you know they, they may have like what's his name um chris chris conley or like albert wilson or somebody else you know getting 50 60 targets each and maybe he only gets 85 90 targets and they're kind of sporadic and
1: and obviously, Kelsey, I, and obviously Kelsey. And yeah, obviously
0: Kelsey. will get the most. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like it.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of indifferent. So I was uh,
0: curious about that.
1: All right, um, let's wrap this up. Did you see the latest uh, Game of Thrones episode?
0: I did. I did see it.
1: And your thoughts?
0: My thoughts are uh, it was good. It was enjoyable. There, there's two things that annoy me about Game of Thrones. One is like we never really get a sense of like who's got what armies. Like, it seemed like, oh, well, Daenerys is just going to crush... Cersei, because all they have is them and some locals. Cersei's got the Unsullied, she's got the Dothraki, got so many armies, like, she's going to just crush them. But then out of nowhere, oh, well, the Iron Bank has a huge army of mercenaries that maybe the Lannisters will rent. And, oh, Euron just built a fleet of ships. How long did it take him to build a bigger navy than the one that was stolen? Six months, he built it. What the fuck? So now, suddenly, the the Iron Island freaks who were, like, worthless for the whole series... Are now like their navies, like super important. And he just built that out of nowhere. They keep changing the equation on us. And it happened in the season before when Jon Snow was was fighting Ramsey Bolton. And he was going to lose. And, and Ramsey Bolton had just beat Stannis' army too. And then out of nowhere, Littlefinger brings the Knights of the Vale, Those weirdos with that freak kid as their boss. But suddenly that was the difference maker? Those guys from the Knights of the Vale. Oh, that's just going to be the difference it's so random. It would be like if we were watching the NFL and it was like the the Giants aren't very good this year, but then suddenly, wait a second, why is Aaron Rodgers the quarterback of the Giants? They don't set it up well enough to, for us to understand. I mean, It seems like we understand like what factions are with whom, but then these new ones that we haven't even heard of just kind of come out of the blue.
1: Yeah, there, there are certainly flaws with the show, but the highs are, are very, very high. And I like some interactions in this. And I'm not even a big like action sequence war guy, but that was a pretty awesome final ten minutes. Uh, one argument I would have though is is it was so dramatic and, and cool to see the the dragon wreck and shop, but obviously it's gonna come back and and what's his name? Braun and Jamie are gonna be alive, right? That's kind of a cheat. You know, if they were gonna kill him, you'd see him killed.
0: There's been some cheesy stuff. Like Jon Snow coming back to life is just is just not good. They shouldn't have done that. I mean they Early on, they killed whoever. Ned Stark dies in the beginning, and you're like, holy shit. And then the Red right. Wedding was like right. traumatic. It was like, oh, wait, Rob Stark and that new, that pregnant girl who he's with, that, they're not important characters in the show. I didn't know that. I thought they, they were like super important in the arc of the show, but they weren't. They're were just dead. And the, Caitlin Stark, dead. And I was like, holy fuck. Since then, they haven't really killed off anybody. The Hound came back to life. Jon Snow came back to life. When are they going to fucking just kill somebody off? The Mountain came back to life. Just kill somebody already. You're, you're kind of thinking, oh braun and Jamie Lynch, or they can't die because they they would have died if they could have, even though those guys are like likable characters I mean if you're not willing to kill them then there's no more tension you're not worried anymore
1: yeah, for sure um I, it, I did think that was a super entertaining episode though and, it was uh,
0: good. it was good how she just laid fucking waste to those dudes, and that would yeah. be horrible you're in all that armor, you know how hot that metal gets, man, they just roasted those fuckers that was yeah. that was like if you had like one of those you know, Apache helicopters in th- those times—that's like what the equivalent is. You just go and roast all those people.
1: For sure. Um, all right. Do you have any uh, political thoughts? And obviously, I just have to ask your opinion on whatever this North Korea stuff.
0: If Trump were a real man, he just nukes South Korea. If he nukes South Korea to, to to the ground, and then then the threat becomes credible. What do you think about that?
1: That's a that's a very uh. Con- that's, yeah, that's an interesting take. Let's put it that way.
0: You think North Korea would not surrender immediately if he, if, if he did that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: they, they might, but we, I don't think But instead,
0: happened. he just nuked Los Angeles and said, I don't give a fuck. What are you going to do to us? Right? Contrarian. Contrarian. Hey, it's not contrarian. It's, it's game theory. You nuke Los Angeles, and they realize they don't have a deterrent anymore.
1: Yeah, so let's, uh, let's assume that doesn't happen. Then, then what do you think?
0: Here's the thing. The people who want control over the population want the population to be afraid of external enemies. They want us, they want us to think that we're on the brink of nuclear war, and no matter wh- how corrupt and how little they actually take care of the population, that we need to support the politicians who are our only hope to stop nuclear war, or our only hope of defeating the enemy, or our only hope to stop Trump from being an idiot on Twitter or whatever it is. And I'm not saying Trump's not an idiot on Twitter. I'm saying that these the, the news is very slanted in a direction that's, let's keep the population afraid. And I don't think all of them are consciously doing that, but that's sort of what, that's kind of the marching orders. Like, this is scary stuff. And the reality is, who gives a fuck? So he made a threat. Everybody knows that if North Korea were to launch a nuke, that would be the end of them. And Trump's just making it explicit, like, if you threaten us, we're going to get you. And he didn't even get specific on what he, how he's going to do it. We're going to launch a nuke or we're going to do this. Trump, I'm, I'm not going to defend him or his style. It may well be the most idiotic thing you could possibly do. I don't really know. But I hear a lot of people being like, a diplomat wouldn't speak like that. You know, They would say something more subtle like, North Korea knows that the U.S. is very serious about its blah, blah. You know what I mean? They'd say some bullshit like that. And the reality is, I don't really know what has a better effect or worse effect. I don't know. I just know that I don't really see a tweet or something like that making a very nonspecific threat changing anything. And I just think there's just a lot of hysteria that a lot of people are benef- benefiting from, and so there's a big incentive to sell that hysteria to the public. And I'm just resisting that. I don't, I'm not getting hysterical.
1: Yeah, I certainly hear you about the fear-inducing media. It seems that way to me as well. Um, all right, man, let's get out of here. Way yeah. longer than we had planned. So, yeah, assuming we don't have anything long. else to to, uh, I have to other shit, guess. but
0: it's not worth it. We'll we'll save it for next week. All right, all right, man. Good right, talking, Easy Dalton.
1: All right, later, Liz. later, man.